I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast Week 14 Preview Edition. I am your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and I am here once again to break down all of the action from Thursday Night Football, give you the news heading into the weekend, and most importantly, help you set your lineups in round one of the fantasy football playoffs. Of course, to do this, we need the man, the myth, the start-sit legend, the important nonsense waiver wire wizard. It's at that FF nerd, Jason Draven, back once again. Jason, how's it going heading into round one? It's been a busy week already. Everybody's looking for answers, and I'm just trying to do my best to keep up with everything. It's quite the up-and-down roller coaster at this point because we don't know who's going to be in it this point with cmc deciding that he's not feeling well enough and just everybody having issues it seems jacobs we're not sure on there's a bunch of news that we need to get into so i'll stop talking and hopefully we can move on to that here shortly it's just that time of year the running backs are banged up the receivers are banged up and you're probably a little bit banged up too so make sure you take yourself heading into this weekend it's always important and it's also important to follow jason on all of the socials at that ff nerd i truly can't even fathom how many hours he spends doing all of these start sit questions he's probably going to spend like the next 48 hours probably about 40 of them will be answering start sits it's ridiculous of course though it's not only jason with us here today and I'd like to give my apologies to Ronald because we are joined by the best McDonald there is. It's at Donald McJordan. It's Jordan McDonald. Jordan, how do we feel entering the playoffs? Well, I do feel a lot better that you think I'm better than Ronald McDonald. That guy is an icon. But as for my feeling heading into the playoffs, it could be better. I played against the Rams defense in one of my big leagues, which I don't like. That doesn't start the week off well and i have christian mccaffrey in one of my leagues that i actually i joined this year and i found out after week 13 was over that oh it's a week 14 last week regular season so i was kind of happy i was on the up with christian mccaffrey could be back now he might not play so i'm in shambles Feels bad, sir. I am so sorry. But be sure to follow Jordan at Donald McJordan. Maybe you can put a smile on his face. And be sure to follow along with all of the content that the Triple J of Jack, Jason, and Jordan, and all the other stupendous people over at importantnonsense.com put up on the daily and, and over on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NonsenseFF. But with that, let's get down to it. Let's get to the nitty gritty as we kick things off with Thursday night football. And Bill Belichick, he got the first laugh when he shut down boy wonder Sean McVay and his discount Ryan Gosling in Super Bowl 53. But McVay is laughing now as the Rams shut down the Patriots 24 to 3. If you started discount Gosling, aka Jared Goff, you're probably not thrilled. 14.58 fantasy points, throws for 137 yards, and a touchdown, also throws an interception. Thankfully to his GMs, he does score on a one-yard QB sneak. Otherwise, Goff gives you an eight on the day. Not a good way to start your week. 
Of course, though, this means his pass catchers hurt as well. Robert Woods, he catches just five of eight targets for 32 yards. Cooper Cup gets all five of his targets completed, 33 yards. Luckily, though, he scores a touchdown. Gives you at least something on the day. Tyler Higby, two for 34. Gerald Everett, one for nine. And Josh Reynolds, one for six. Not a good day for the receivers. But that's, of course, because we have buried the lead. The actual headline of the game, Cam Akers has gra grabbed the Rams' backfield by the horns and ran all over the New England Patriots. 29 carries for 171 yards, two receptions for 23 yards. Akers ends the day with 194 yards from scrimmage. Unfortunately, no touchdowns, but Cam Akers is looking like a league winner down the stretch. Yeah, and I am super frustrated after seeing that pick six from the Rams defense as I knew that this would kill the wide receivers. And more importantly, my pay for fantasy, damn it, dang fantasy team for Dynasty, driving me crazy. Robert Woods puts up eight points, even though he had eight targets, caught five of them for 32 yards. He just had a, he had this great chance too to really save the day on the last minute bomb. He had a 20 yard completion and he just could not get it. If he was able to just turn around and run it, it could have easily been a touchdown. So frustrating. Ah, the game was ugly, and that just killed it for me. I am so sorry, my friend. And I am sorry to all the people who drafted Cam Akers in the fourth and fifth round. You might not have made playoffs with that decision, but thank you for dropping him because I picked him up in a lot of leagues. So appreciate that. And friends, you all know that I am a Cam Newton apologist. I love him. I think he's fantastic. I think he's so fun. Football is better when he's good. And I'll make an excuse once again. He was dealing with an abdominal injury, and Aaron Donald was wreaking havoc on his offensive line. He had no time, sacked four times. But regardless, Cam wasn't good. He was sacked four times, completes just nine of 16 passes, only 119 yards, has a pick six on a busted screen pass, and just 16 yards rushing. So Cam ultimately benched for Jarrett Stidham in the fourth quarter, kills you in fantasy. And of course, Stidham wasn't good either. So it's not like even if you combine the two, you'd have a nice day. Nah, Stidham, five of seven, 27 yards, and is sacked twice. Oof. Good news for this game, though, and there is a little bit. We saw for the first time ever, Nikhil Harry flash. Granted, just three grabs for 49 yards, but he made two really tough contested catches, one highlight real grab. So there's a chance Harry is the next Devontae Parker. Corey Davis breaks out in another three years from now. Demir Bird, of course, he busted five for 48. Jacoby Myers, four for 47. So not great for any of them. And unfortunately, I do have some bad news. Damian Harris was injured in the fourth quarter after gaining 50 yards on 11 carries. Sony Michelle came in, seven carries, still stinks, just 22 yards. James White with 16 yards on five carries and only a two-yard catch. So that's, I hate it going forward. I really hope Damian Harris is okay, so fingers crossed there. But based on all of this, you can probably tell that outside of Akers, the best play was the Rams' defense. Six sacks, a pick six, and just three points allowed. They dropped a 21 on the week. So if we weren't wise enough heading into Actually, probably a couple of weeks ago, we should have listened to you, Jason. If we weren't wise enough to pick up the Rams then, what should we be doing now? Yeah, I told you weeks ago for not only to grab the Rams because, man, they have great matchups coming up, but also to grab Akers because I thought if he got a hold of this backfield, he was going to be something dangerous. And hopefully he did both of those things. 
But since you're looking at defenses, I'm actually liking the Washington football team. They're a safe place against the 49ers. I think this game is going to be low scoring. The weather isn't going to be great. It has me a little nervous, and I just think it's an ugly game. And, of course, the other one is really both both sides of the ball, I guess. It, the Cardinals and the Giants, another ugly game. If Daniel Jones is back, he is tied for first in turnovers at this point with Jared Goff, ugh, both ugly. But it's just one of those things. It's tough not to play the Cards D against him. At that same point, if Jones doesn't play, this Giants defense has really stepped up and looked great while Kyler Murray with the shoulder issue hasn't. So maybe give you three options without really thinking about it. I'm going to rank them for you. Washington one, Cardinals two, Giants down at three. But you really like it, and I am shocked that I am supporting the NFC East. So with that, maybe I'm going crazy, so we're going to take a break. I'm going to calm down, check myself, and we'll be back after a word from our sponsors. And we are back with the news, and we will start things off with the Buffalo Bills, who signed GM Brandon Beam to a multi-year contract extension, and it looks like head coach Sean McDermott will be close behind him. They're probably going to be tied together. They have been in the past. So between this duo in Buffalo and the tandem of Chris Greer and Brian Flores in Miami, it looks like we're in for years of fun in the AFC East as they look to vanquish Belichick and the Patriots once and for all. So keep an eye on that in Dynasty. Moving on to quarterbacks, though. Drew Brees is back. He's practicing on a limited basis, but he's probably not going to play this week. He's eyeing a Week 15 return against the Kansas City Chiefs. What a game that will be. So in the meantime, we get Taysom, the scrambling tight end, Taysom Hill starting for the Saints this week. And with the season on the line, we'll either be starting Taysom Hill against the Eagles. Yeah, I'll get into that one thing first, but I just want to ask, why didn't they flex the Chiefs Saints into the Sunday Night Football? instead of Giants-Browns. I'm kind of wondering about that. Might have to do with the Chiefs. Might be playing too much on Sunday night. But anyways, I digress. As for Taysom Hill, you know, if he's your best option, why not start him? The Eagles are giving up the second most rushing yards to opposing quarterbacks this season. Obviously, that benefits Taysom because that's mostly what he does. His rushing floor may be the highest for any starting quarterback right now. And that automatically puts him in the conversation as a starting option. Well, and also the fact that he's, like, averaging over... 21 points in fantasy every week since he's been the, you know, the quarterback there, which I really suffer to call him a quarterback. But as we keep going, it actually seems to be the quarterback that they want to use. And it's hard to sit him at that point. It's going to be wild next year when Drew Brees gone, he retires. Taysom Hill is a starter. Cam Newton is his backup. Completely mad in New Orleans. In the, the New York, though, Daniel Jones limited all week in practice, missed week 13 with the hamstring injury when the Giants shocked the Seahawks. So right now, listed as questionable, but Danny Dimes is expected to return against the Cardinals this weekend. Phillip Rivers missed Wednesday with his foot injury. It's probably going to need offseason surgery, but for now, it's just a pain management thing. Yeah, my understanding on it is that he needs his plantar plate repaired because it ruptured. Ouch. Since I've had plantar fasciitis for a few years, wow, I think that he is absolutely going to be on pain meds to help with this during the game, and he should just be fine because he's not going to have a care in the world. So fire him up. Well, gosh darn, look at you, Jason, dropping that knowledge. I don't think Philip Rivers is going to give a dang heck either. Anyways, in Philadelphia... 
great news. Carson Wentz is benched. You heard of Elf on a shelf. Now you've heard of Wentz on a bench. Jalen Hurts is the Eagle starter. Miles Sanders is excited to run read option plays with Hurts under center. Unfortunately, they will be without Jason Peters, their left tackle turned right guard. He's undergoing season-ending toe surgery. So it kind of hurts an already terrible Eagles offensive line even more. Yeah, and hurts hurt Sanders because, wow, I think you saw how dramatic the falloff with Kamara was with Taysom Hill. And I just think that's what running backs, well, sorry, running quarterbacks, not running backs, but running backs are hurt by running quarterbacks. Just makes sense. Speaking of running backs, we'll get into them. James Robinson, you may have seen on the injury report all week, limited with a knee injury, including Friday. So that sounds a little scary. Doesn't carry an injury des designation heading into the weekend. Once again, he's just banged up like the rest of us. So are all the other running backs. The Jags are going to be kind to their star, rest them going forward. Doesn't matter on the weekend. He's probably going to see 100% of the carries once again. James Conner has been activated from the reserve slash COVID-19 list, as has his center Marquise Pouncey. So that's an upgrade for the Steelers all around. And with the Denver Broncos, they will have Philip Lindsay. He's practicing in full off of the knee injury. So we're back to a committee backfield with them. And you can't trust either of them because they're in a bad offense with a terrible quarterback. Can't trust Philip Lindsay. Can't trust Melvin Gordon. I only trust Noah Fant and Tim Patrick in this offense, really. Uh, too bad for Jerry Judy, though. Todd Gurley was limited in practice all week, but does not carry an injury designation heading into the weekend. Edo Smith was limited Wednesday with a neck injury. All in all, though, you can't really trust this Falcons backfield. It seems to be a committee now, and Todd Gurley is really only one if you're starting one, and that's still, you know, not a great, not a great play. Of committee backfields. Hopefully, there is no longer one in Detroit. DeAndre Swift was limited Wednesday and Thursday coming off the concussion and the illness that held him out of week 13. Got in a full session on Friday. New head coach Daryl Bevel says he's trending in the right direction to be full go. So if Swift is playing, you can bet your bottom dollar I am playing DeAndre Swift, the future Alvin Kamara. Also, shout out to the other Swift Taylor. A new album dropped recently. Pretty great. Yeah, shout out Evermore. The Cowboys didn't practice Wednesday and only had a walkthrough on Thursday thanks to Tuesday Night Football. But Ezekiel Elliott was on the practice report as limited with a calf injury both of those days. He's questionable heading to the weekend, but there doesn't seem to be a worry about his status in Dallas. Chris Carson was limited to practice Wednesday, Thursday. He's dealing with the foot injury. He was removed from the injury report on Friday, although Pete Carroll has admitted that Carson isn't quite right. So it wouldn't be a shock to see him a little bit less involved because they are playing the Jets. Maybe we see a little bit more of Carlos Hyde. He himself was limited with a toe injury earlier in the week, but he's been removed from the injury report as well. However, don't look now because Rashad Penny has finally been designated to return from IR. So we don't know if he'll be active this weekend, but Seattle backfield is going to be a massive headache, it looks like, going forward. Could make or break your playoff team. I'm not excited about it if I am rostering any of these Seattle running backs. Josh Jacob did not practice on Wednesday with his ankle injury, but he did return for a limited session on Thursday and for Friday. So he's officially questionable heading into week 14. And he has a rough matchup against uh, a Colts defense, and it is a true game-time decision, so look out for that heading into the weekend. Kenyon Drake popped up in the injury report on Thursday with a hip and was limited. 
but it looks like he was just banged up like every other back out there and is on track to play. Latavius Murray also popped out, popped up on the injury report Thursday with a knee injury, but then he got a full practice in Friday and is good to go for this weekend. Kelly missed Wednesday with a foot injury after not seeing a carry in week 13. Was limited Thursday, but his fall race has been super disappointing. I was a big fan of him coming out of UCLA. And now Justin Jackson has returned to practice from IR with the knee injury. So Anthony Lynn says there's a chance that Jackson returns against the Falcons. If he does return, won't change anything for Eckler. He's a must-start versus the Falcons. Will sap a little bit of Kalen Balazs' value. And I could honestly see if Justin Jackson is active, Kelly being inactive, with Troy Main Pope being the special teams back. Really disappointing to see. Yeah, the and new- I, mean, I mean, I'm pumped for it because I think Kalen Balazs actually continues to have a role because last week, he actually almost split that backfield with Eckler, having seven carries, 34 yards, while Eckler had eight for 36. Granted, it was in a blowout, but still, the fact that he was being used is something that I'm keeping an eye on, and I'm nervous for Justin Jackson. I, I, th- I thought I was going to do it. I thought I had escaped the Chargers talk without nope. Kalen Balazs. Uh, anyways, we will move Not on to happen. New York Jets now <laughs> and talk about Frank Gore. Limited Wednesday coming off the concussion. Given his usual Thursday off, he hasn't practiced Thursday all year. Did return to practice Friday. He's expected to return, according to Adam Gase, for week 14. In his stead, Ty Johnson had 104 yards on 22 carries. So disappointing that they're probably just going to give Gore a bunch of carries again. Hate to see that. We did see A.J. Dillon return to practice, though. Has been activated from the reserve slash COVID-19 list. Practicing for the first time in six weeks, so that's nice to see. Moving out to running backs that will be out this week, Christian McCaffrey. Sad to say, he practiced Wednesday coming off the soldier injury and tweaked his quad and went on to miss Thursday. And therefore, Matt Rule says it's unlikely he plays this weekend. So let's pour one out for the people that are still waiting on Chris McCaffrey to come back after drafting him first overall in their drafts. Antonio Gibson did not practice with the toe injury. He suffered early against Steelers and unfortunately was ruled out Sunday. So that leaves J.D. McKissick and Peyton Barber to split the load. Yeah, and this is why I've told you guys to make sure you have handcuffs because I've been telling you pretty much all year to grab McKissick on the waiver wire show because, man, is he the only fantasy viable option here. I do not trust Peyton Barber at all, and McKissick has just been so consistent in PPR. I'm so sad because Gibson was one of my anchors for my dynasty team, and I'm frustrated. Speaking of people waiting for an epic return, Joe Mixon will remain on IR for week 14. But Zach Taylor is now saying there is a chance we see him return some point this season. Could just be empty words, though. Could be a massive boost for your fantasy playoff run. Who knows? It hurts. It also hurts that David Johnson missed all week of practice for personal reasons. He was then placed on reserve slash COVID list on Friday, which means he will not play against Chicago. This does mean that Duke Johnson will step in as the lead back. I can't recommend playing him, though, unless you're real desperate. But just imagine the feeling of being booted from the playoffs thanks to taking a four from Duke Johnson. Oh, the pain. In Miami, Salvin Ahmed did not practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. With the shoulder injury that has kept him out, he's going to miss another week. DeAndre Washington did not participate Wednesday. Limited Thursday, he might come back from the hamstring. Who knows with him? Miles Gaston, though, it doesn't matter. He's going to be the bell cow either way. Borderline RB1 the rest of the season, thanks to the massive opportunity shared there. And Dalvin Cook, 
he's probably going to continue to see a massive opportunity to share. Had a career high in touches with Alexander Madison out last week, and he is still not practice, practicing after undergoing an appendectomy. Will not play this weekend. We do remember seeing Austin Hooper out two games, and then they had a bye, so it could be another two weeks before Madison returns. Yeah, remember when we were high on Madison and then we went, oh, no, we should go with Mike Boone. Mike Boone to the moon. That was a good idea. That turns out they're both bad. Who knew? DeAndre Hopkins did not practice Wednesday and Thursday with neck and back injuries. But the good news is that he returned to practice Friday in full. And since he's playing, you're playing him as well. Don't kid yourselves. Larry Fitzgerald will be back as well as he's been activated off the reserve COVID list. But the real question is, how is Murray's shoulder going to be? And will he start running? Because his offense relies fully on Murray's ability to run. And we've seen the last three games. Hasn't been doing that as much. Yeah, it is scary. I hope it happens. I really do. Because this Cardinals offense has not been the same. San Francisco, though, division rivals. Debo Samuel did not participate Wednesday with a foot injury. Not related to his broken foot, though. That's good. Just a bruise. Was upgraded to limited Thursday. 49ers are just being super careful with Debo right now. Coming off the hamstring, coming off the foot. So they're just reducing his practice load. All about that load management. He is going to play, as is Willie Sneed. He was activated from the reserve slash COVID-19 list on Thursday and does expect to play against the Cleveland Browns on Monday Night Football. Des Bryant has been placed on the reserve slash COVID list after an inconclu inconclusive test. He's since tested positive three times. Could play on Monday. We'll see about that. So Sneed's return kills Hollywood Brown. And if Dead's returns as well, completely buries Hollywood. Can't play any of these Ravens receivers. Chris Godwin had the pins in his left index finger removed. And therefore, he missed practice on Wednesday. Bucks are managing his reps. Also, Mike Evans took a rest day Thursday with the hamstring injury that has bothered him all season, but he did end up coming back on Friday. And it will be full send against a burnable Viking secondary on Sunday. And I think he's going to have a big game. I think Tom Brady's going to come out and they're going to be slinging the ball. So look out for that. A.J. Brown didn't participate Wednesday or Thursday with an ankle injury. Remember, he's been missing all season long Thursdays with the knee. Did suffer an ankle injury against the Browns this week. Usually, AJ does miss Thursday, and since he came back Friday, doesn't have an injury designation. We can fire him up with confidence, especially because Adams has been placed on IR with concussion, missed week 9 to 12, returned for 13, had one reception, and then the symptoms reappeared. So he is out. Get well soon. In the meantime, AJ Brown is going to get fed. Someone who isn't going to get fed, though, Julio Jones, he is going to miss his fourth game of the season thanks to the lingering hamstring injury. And we've seen time and time again that Matt Ryan just doesn't know how to function in an offense without Julio Jones anymore. I do trust uh, Calvin Ridley, kind of hard to sit him. Maybe Hayden Hurts if you really have to. But yeah, this that Falcons offense without Julio is just so hideous. Yeah, we were talking about that last week. Julio's looked gimpy in pretty much every game that he's played. He just, they might as well just like shut him down for the season if he can't get healthy because it's, it's doing no favors for himself. They're not in a playoff position. But anyways, somebody who is in a good position in this offseason, Al Robinson was limited with a knee injury. He tweaked it in practice last week and the Bears bubble wrapped him and kept him out of practice for the next day and a half. He is fine, however. The Bears just know that they need him desperately. 
Darnell Mooney also missed the entire week of practice due to a personal matter, but Matt Nagy has iterated that he thinks Mooney will play. Brandon Cooks was limited Wednesday and Thursday with a foot and neck injury. Cooks was checked for a concussion. Thankfully, it was the neck, not the head, is expected to play this weekend. Kiki Kuti was also limited with a knee injury Wednesday, coming off his eight reception, 141 line. But he's practicing in full Thursday, Friday. Should continue to operate as Texans wide receiver two. Maybe it's a wide receiver one now, and we didn't even know it. Who knew him? Matt, I can't believe Bill O'Brien buried Kiki Kuti. I loved him. Bill O'Brien broke my heart. What an awful coach. Anyways, I'm done. Sorry. T. Higgins limited the entire week with a hamstring. Questionable against the Cowboys. Daryl Hodge didn't participate with this week with a hamstring injury for the Browns. This means that, once again, he's probably going to sit. And because he sat last week, we saw the breakout of Donovan Peoples-Jones, one of Dr. Dynasty guys. So keep an eye on the former five-star receiver out of Michigan for 2021. Yeah, he is definitely an athletic freak. And I really thought that Donovan Peoples-Jones was going to be the wide receiver that took over. But instead, it's somehow been Higgins, and I hate that. I think DPJ is so much better. He's bigger, more talented, and is just such a freak that I don't understand how he's not getting more targets. Hopefully more targets lead to more production. Let's go. Heading into wide receivers that will be out this week, Kenny Galladay, shocking. Did not practice this week with the hip and has been ruled out. At this point, I'm starting to wonder if this is an A.J. Green scenario. Remember last year when A.J. Green wanted out of Cincy, so he never came back with the ankle. He did end up getting franchise tag. So is that the case here? Will the Lions franchise Galladay, or will he walk hopefully to a team that is not the New England Patriots? It'd be nice to see him go to the Patriots. If the Lions are smart, they'll franchise tag him. But who knows? The, the, the odds-on favorite right now, according to the markets, are Jim Harbaugh being hired. So... I don't know what's happening in Detroit. I am terrified. Anyways, move on from that. DJ Moore is still on the reserve slash COVID-19 list. He is not expected to return this weekend. The good news is, though, we haven't heard any mention of his ankle. So fingers crossed Moore is over that, and he will be good to go once he is recovered and healthy. But Samuel, on the other hand, he has been activated because he was deemed a close contact. So it will be Samuel, Robbie Anderson, eating all of the targets. Brandon Zilstra, Farrell Cooper, they're kind of there to provide depth. But I am all in on Anderson and Samuel this week. Play him when you got him, especially because Ian Thomas, also questionable with a knee injury. He doesn't matter this year, but just all of the consolidated targets go to Samuel, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, Rip Roran, ready to go. Denzel Mims traveled home to Texas to deal with a personal matter and will not play in week 14 against the Seahawks. Our thoughts are with Denzel and his family. He was playing pretty well up until this point. Jameson Crowder is also questionable with a calf injury that he tweaked on Thursday. In the division rivals, the Miami Dolphins signed Isaiah Ford to the practice squad. If you remember, Ford was traded to the Patriots from the Dolphins, didn't play a snap there, but they traded the seventh round pick for him. Now they get the player back and keep the seventh round pick. What a move. That's out Belichicking Belichick. You love to see that. Moving on to tight ends, Mark Andrews has been activated from the reserve slash COVID list. He will play this Sunday, Baltimore, or on Monday, sorry. Baltimore is full go against the Browns. Jonu Smith is also full group go. Returned limited Wednesday, Thursday. Practice in full on Friday. I am so happy. You can hear the smile in my voice. Jonu Smith is going to play against the Jaguars. Yeah, I'm so happy Jonu's back, and I'm sure Jason is too, but I do miss a good Jonu rant from Jason. 
Anyways, Hayden Hurst remains limited with the ankle injury he suffered in Week 11, but he's played the last two weeks. He caught four for 48 in Week 12 versus Vegas, but he only caught one for nine against the Saints. So which Hayden Hurst will show up? Guess we'll find out. Kyle Rudolph did not participate at all this week with a foot injury, so he's listed as doubtful. Mike Zimmer, he doesn't want to count Rudolph out just yet, but I'm going to. Irv Smith, he did return to practice Thursday. He's coming off a groin and back injury. Has the questionable tag, is expected to play, though. Only other tight end on the roster is Tyler Conklin. Vikings drafted him in the fifth round of 2018 out of Central Michigan. So that makes Irv spicy if he plays. But really, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, oh, they are going to eat. Tyler Eifert is dealing with a shoulder injury. He has 10 targets in his two games with Mike Glennon. Not really sure if he's worth playing, if he does start, but who knows with that team. Austin Hooper missed Friday's practice with a neck injury. He'll get an extra day as the Browns play on Monday Night Football against the Ravens, so keep an eye on that practice report on Saturday. But it's probably a good idea to make other arrangements at tight end. It is wild that Tyler Eifert has been so viable the last two weeks. Aguar's second leading fantasy score the last two weeks it's weird and i hate it moving on to kickers chris boswell is practicing in full after missing the steelers first loss of the season to a hip injury loss to the washington football team boswell is expected to return so if you've got boswell back that's nice maybe you've got other arrangements at kicker but for those of us in need who are we looking for jason yeah so i went pretty deep here but graham gano against the cardinals good leg and i think the giants like I said, can really struggle, I mean, to score. When it comes to that, Gano could kick a field goal, and he's good at it. So I like him this week, especially in decent weather. Uh, and the other one is going to play Monday, so it gives you plenty of time, and Cody Parkey against the Ravens. Game could get out of control, or it could just be ugly. Either way, I think that he's a good play. And I also like Dustin Hopkins. So also another option if you're looking. Three kickers from Jason, and we are going to kick it to a word from our sponsors. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right, and there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and more or less. Stat Shootout, you put together a two- or three-player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee. Or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee. Obviously, you gotta go big or go home. Then we've got Rapid Fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devontae Adams. Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward. Yup, I only need to get two out of three matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then, when I go all in, and I can get five out of five, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given two to six players and their statistic target for that game, like Austin Eckler with 
over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders. You have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target number. Just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve. You can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. So many Josh Jacobs jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. I do love free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE and Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. Go sign up on Monkey Knife Fight with the promo code NONSENSE and get in on the action this weekend. And we are back with the most important of the week. Having recapped the news, we are now going to help you set your lineup with the latest edition of Trust or Bust. So before I hand things over to Jason, let things get out of control, let's remind you, starting with quarterbacks at Trust, our quarterbacks are those who are ranked outside of the top 12 of the Fantasy Pros Expert Consensus Ranking, rostered in under 50% of leagues. Our busts, on the other hand, those are QBs ranked inside the top 12 for the ECR that we expect to miss expectations could cost you in that playoff matchup. And with that, it's time for Trust Your Bust with the Nerd. All right, we're going to start off because I feel like it's needed. At this point, I am going to issue a statement. I am off the rails. I'm going to give some spicy takes. But I'm going to go big or go home for the rest of the year as it continues to be just off the wall 2020. I am fully tilting. So we're starting off Phillip Rivers going up against the Raiders who allow 22 fantasy points to the quarterback position. Pretty solid option there. Also, I don't guys know if you guys remember, but Rivers used to play for the Chargers and got the Raiders pretty frequently. And over the past five years, Rivers averages 288 yards and two touchdowns and just Barely one interception. I think he's a solid play this week and actually next week as well. So something to keep an eye on. Jason, you got Philip Rivers as your first trust in two weeks in a row. I am so happy to hear this. But yeah, the Raiders are going to be down David Arnett and Jeff Heath. And despite what you think of them, they are still down two starters in their secondary. So that just benefits Rivers so so much. It does worry me, though, that Rivers does have that foot injury. He literally has no mobility, so any type of pressure that's on him, he will go down. I mean, don't even rely on any rush yards to keep his, his score afloat. But he is still slinging the ball well, even with that injury. So if this game can be a high-scoring affair, Rivers will be the beneficiary of that. I don't know if you know this, but Rivers is just a statue, so his foot hurting really doesn't hurt him that much. But <laughs> we'll move on to the next guy, who is definitely... One of the hotter takes with Mike Glennon. Titans give up 28.5 fantasy points to the quarterback. I know the Jaguars are not good, but Glennon has looked pretty solid. He's averaging 15 points. Not great, but this is his best matchup so far this year. He was able to put up 18 fantasy points against the Browns and 12 against the Vikings while throwing two interception. Could he even had a better day? Yeah, the Titans defense is not good at all. They're giving up the fifth most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, and they're coming off an embarrassing performance where Baker Mayfield dropped a 40-burger on them. The Jaguars' defense, just as bad. So, you know, another potential shootout. And yeah, you're right, Glennon has looked great since taking over as the Jags' QB. 
I can't imagine a scenario where you're actually playing Glennon in the playoffs, but if you're one of those people that are, it's not the worst spot to be in. Oh, putting your fantasy future in the hands of Philip Rivers and Mike Glennon. What a bold move. That being said, though, I started Cam Newton in a league, so what do I friggin' know? My guy that in this situation, I'm going with Tua. He's QB5 in the ECR. But anyways, let's hear your bus. Yeah, I wish I could go with you with Tua, but man, I'm nervous about him because he just doesn't throw. And I can see him being benched for Fitz. To Shoot come out against the Chiefs. Let's go. Tua time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But just so you know, that's my worry with him. We'll move on to bust, which is he's back. I mean, it's Kyler Murray. He's still having the same issues. He isn't rushing the ball enough, and he's really forcing the game. I mean, he's forcing it to Hopkins, which is great, but it just hurts his fantasy value so much. This matchup is tough, as the Giants have really been coming on as a defense. I feel like this is an ugly game. If Murray starts to run again, sure, I'll gladly take my L here, but until I see it, I'm struggling to trust him. The Giants are giving up only 16.8 fantasy points to the quarterback position. Definitely somebody I'm fading this week. Yeah, the Giants are really coming on on defense. I definitely agree with that. I personally am a reluctant man, Kyler Murray fantasy fantasy manager, and I am playing him the first round of playoffs. I don't feel good about it, but it's happening. And yet, his production has been alarming since the Hale Murray game. The shoulder may be that reason, but he's not rushing as much. I mentioned this before. He only has five attempts in each of his last three games. That's not going to get it done based on what you've seen before. His ceiling is severely limited heading into this game. Yeah, that's definitely the issue with him. Now we're going into somebody that is... Uh, ECR has him as the quarterback one, so I am definitely know I am crazy here going with Russell Wilson, and I get it. But one, the weather has me a little nervous. It's supposed to be ugly. Also, Wilson has had a few exposures the past five weeks. I mean, against the Rams, he only put up 9.9 fantasy points. He put up 20 against the Cardinals, great. 14.4 against Philadelphia and 15 against the Giants. So ugh, that definitely has me worried, but we are in the playoffs. So just a reminder, make sure you start your studs. It's a nice contradictory message. You know, I will say Russ's MVP campaign, the whole let's let Russ cook. You know, he's never gotten MVP vote, whatever, whatever the storyline you want to bring up. It's fraudulent now. It's not going to win it. And these last three weeks have proven that. But Jason, he's playing the Jets this week. So stop telling people to set their stud quarterbacks against the Jets. We've had enough. You were absolutely not wrong when you said you were getting spicy this week. Jeez Louise, Jason. I am worried about Kyler and his ability to run. Don't get me wrong. But I do think this is a get-right game for Seattle. But please don't sit Russ or Kyler for Rivers or Glennon. Just please don't do that. We're going to move on to running backs, though, and as we move forward, just a reminder that our trusted RBs who are outside of the top 24 in the ECR, so an RB3 or lower, that we are trusting in our lineups for Week 9, and our busts are players inside the top 24 that we think will miss expectations. Yeah, and I'm super frustrated because I was going to put Akers in here. Now it's too late, and I think it goes without saying that if Swift plays, you're going to play him. I had David Johnson, but him being placed on... The reserve COVID list has me nervous. I'm going away from him. I guess that the best option here is going to be Mike Davis with the team losing more to COVID as well. I doubt he is able to come back before Sunday. Samuels has missed most of practice this week as a close contact. CMC is out. 
So Davis is going to get targets and it's going to propel him to the top 24 play. I mean, it's just one of those things that you kind of have to de- deal with. With Denver allowing 27.7 fantasy points to the running back position, I think he's a pretty safe option this week. Again, it is worth noting that I, I empathize with CMC fantasy managers who are still without their prize first overall pick heading into the playoffs. But if you were smart and you were able to handcuff him with Davis, you're sitting in a decent spot. And yep, yeah, like you said, Samuel is on pace of play. Didn't really practice much this week and more is likely out. So that could open an opportunity for Davis to see a heavy target share, and hopefully that can propel him to have a productive day. We haven't seen a lot from Davis recently, but hopefully this is one of those games where he breaks out once again. Yeah, and I really think the limited other options is what's going to help him get there. So with that in mind, I mean, it's just one of those things that you kind of have to trust and hope for the best here. Um, Now, moving to the next guy. While I'm intrigued by Jamal Williams, I... I think he has a chance to be really good, but I'm going with Todd Gurley against my Chargers. I don't know why I'm going this crazy, but the loss of Julio, I think this team will run. I don't know if you know this, but the run in special teams is where the Chargers are absolutely brutal on defense. They do not know how to stop it. They are really struggling. Really, they're just bad everywhere on defense at this point. I think that's just due to coaching, and it's frustrating as heck as a Chargers fan because I have no idea what the coaching staff is thinking or if it's managing or what, but granted Spanos is just not ideal either, but more focus here. Got Todd Gurley gets to go against the charters. They allow 22.9 fantasy points to running backs. And with the fact that I think he finds the end zone, I think he has a good day. So I read something this week that Gurley was talking about going back to Los Angeles and playing in SoFi stadium, which he dubbed quote the stadium that he built. So maybe that could be finally a reason him to break out after a long stretch of mediocrity. Personally, I've given up on Gurley, and I know a lot of other people have, and I'm not trusting him this week, unless I'm really, really desperate at the position. This could be a game where he sneaks into the end zone maybe a couple times to prop up his score, but again, that's not guaranteed. Jason seems to think so. I don't. What do you think, Jack? Can't do it. Won't do it. Can't win with him. Can't coach with them and trust Todd Gurley. He doesn't have the same explosiveness he once dud or did. Sorry, he is a dud. And with Julio out, with Matt Ryan not knowing how to play quarterback when Julio is out, entire offense is going to be terrible. Only guy I care about at all, Calvin Ridley, a little bit of Hayden Hurst if you have to. All right, with that, we'll move into bust. You guys don't like my trust picks. See if you like my bust better. James Conner, I think this is a game that's really back and forth and my hate for James Conner is real. I mean, at this point he continues to be a black hole on the team. that gets too many touches and doesn't produce enough. This team has really been more pass heavy the past few weeks. And with that, they've looked good passing the ball. Granted, they struggled last week, really frustrating for him, but that Washington front's really good. And that defense is just solid. This is another tough, tough matchup. And while it is a plus matchup for Conner, I struggle to trust him, especially since he's coming back from COVID IR. So I don't, I can't do it. Not for me. If Connor starts, obviously he's the only running back on the team worth anything in fantasy. Sorry to Anthony McFarland truthers. I was one of them, but he's such a tepid option and he's still somewhat productive. Objectively. I have to say, if you're worried about him coming back from COVID, I can't really blame you, but hopefully you have a better option to choose from. If you're somebody that rosters him, He's just one of those guys that you put in your flex and hope he gets 10 points because he doesn't really do too much. He just 
does his job and that's about it. And yeah, like you said, now when they rely heavy on the right, it takes away from all the pass catchers. So somebody has to lose production because of that. Yeah, that's definitely where I'm going with it. And speaking of people that I'm worried for, really, it's just a whole offense that I'm nervous about. And it's Miles Sanders. I mean, he gets the toughest matchup for RBs over the past three weeks and the New Orleans Saints. I mean, they're only allowing 10 fancy points to the running back position. With Taysom at QB, this team has really stepped up to make it tough on the defensive side of the ball. With the switch at quarterback for the Eagles, Hurts will likely not pass the ball as much to the running back position. And, I mean, both of these things really make me nervous for Sanders moving forward. If you, like, I I don't have him because I didn't like him at all. And you've seen Scott kind of come in and who we've all kind of been on at importantnonsense.com. But Scott has been used more and is being used in the red zone where it's the high value touches. The addition of Jordan Howard really makes this even worse for Sanders. And there's just too much gray area here for me to get into and really trust Miles Sanders moving forward. Well, first, I want to say it goes out saying that I think the Jordan Howard redemption story is probably the greatest story in the NFL right now. I I might be biased in saying that, but I I think it's true. (laughs) I'm also going to be biased because I am being forced to play Sanders very reluctantly because I have Antonio Gibson, who was ruled out, sadly. So, But if you have Miles Sanders, seriously, this matchup needs to be avoided, if possible, for so many reasons. I mean, the Eagles run game has been non-existent as the entire offense has struggled. I mean, Jason Peters wasn't really doing much anyways, but with him gone, that offensive line is Swiss cheese. And the Saints have the best rush defense in terms of fancy points again. So there's no reason why Sanders, you have any, there's no, and no, no optimism whatsoever that Sanders is going to have a good game. Double the bust in Pennsylvania. And it's true. It's true. It's damn true. James Conner, perma bust. Miles Sanders can no longer be trusted. And that is going to bring us to our wide receivers. Quick reminder, our trust at wide receiver are players that rank outside the top 36. So wide receiver four or lower in the ECR that we can start this week. And our busts are receivers that are inside the top 36. We are expecting to miss expectations. Yep. Continuing the spicy streak here, it's uh, Brashad Perriman. I mean, Mims is out. I think the Perriman and Crowder get the work that they need. The Seahawks are allowing 25.1 fantasy points to the wide receiver position. Granted, the weather does have me worried, but at the same time, last year, this is when Perriman showed up and took over for the Bucks. I mean, all the players were out, and he just shows how explosive he can be. If that happens again this year, how funny would it be that he has a stretch of run... For the Jets to make them actually look good for a little bit. And since this team chronically is behind, they have to throw. It only takes a couple. And if he can get the ball like he should, he's, I mean, his player profile is completely opposite of Crowder, who usually catches the ball and falls down. He's very similar to Jason Witten in my mind. Perriman goes as far as he can with the ball every time. Gotta love him. Yeah, you gotta hope that the bad Seahawks defense shows up for this game. And to their credit, they have been playing better recently. So, you know, with Mims being out and Crowder dealing with that injury, Perriman seems like he's going to be in line for a lot of targets because if, if Crowder, say, doesn't play, who else is going to throw the ball to? Chris Herndon? Braxton Berrios? Come on. So, yeah, definitely worth rolling the dice on as a flex option in deeper leagues. Yeah, and the other one's, again, kind of kind of spicy because, man, I loved him earlier in the season, but it's T. Higgins. He continues to lead the team in targets. He is the most talented player, and Brandon Allen continues to get the ball to him. 
in a great matchup against Dallas, who gave up 40.6 fantasy points to wide receivers over the past three games. Boyd, Geo, and P. Ryan will likely steal his touchdowns, which is really frustrating, but he is going to be the one who moves the ball. It's definitely a player that you like, and in PPR, he has so much value. We seemingly wrote off the Bengals' offense when Burrow got injured, but we have seen some signs of life. The Cowboys are giving up the most touchdowns to opposing wide receivers this season, so the matchup is friendly. Personally, I'm convinced this game is the ultimate Andy Dalton revenge game. He comes back to Cincinnati, and I think he's going to light it up. So that means that Brandon Allen and company will need to throw the ball to keep up, and that just benefits Higgins. Yeah, so go a little easier. We'll move into bust. Not spicy here for me. It's Antonio Brown. I can't trust him. He isn't getting the targets. Godwin and Evans are doing more, and both look like they're going to play this week. He just makes it easier, and while he has a great matchup, and a cornerback matchup, Minnesota give, gives up 35.2 fantasy points to wide receivers. I just think that these points are going to really be split between Godwin and Evans. The bigger worry is I could also see Ronald Jones carrying the load as the team gets up quick and then just runs out the clock because that's what I see happening. Yeah, it seems like Brown is definitely on the lower rung for targets in this offense. The matchup is is great for opposing wide receivers, and with the Buccaneers coming off their bye week, we are unsure who Brady will be featuring this game. He likes to throw the ball around a lot, but we can really rely on the two guys, Evans and Godwin. Brown's kind of an unknown still. Even he's been in this offense for a little bit now. I can justify starting Brown if you're in a pinch, but yes, the risk is uh, is very evident. Yeah, and with Godwin there, he's just been so consistent for Brady. It's hard to go away from that. And he sees the big target in Evans every week. So we'll move on to the next guy. And I can't trust Devontae Parker. I want to love him. I mean, but it's Tua. And since Tua's come in, he just doesn't really throw it to him. I mean, he's seeing eight targets last week. Not super great. Caught four of them for 35 yards. He Tua isn't fitting the window's that are there it's not going to be any tight windows for two he's going to find easy throws and make those because he's not the fits player who will come out and just chuck it and put it in those tight windows it's not what he does it's not the player he is now if Tua is benched because they're chasing points great he could easily blow your game up and have a huge one but i expect more of this to be the case only if fits is in yeah i wrote about this this week that Tua hasn't really developed a connection with Parker just yet. Parker averages just over three receptions a game and just over 33 yards per game in games that Tua played the entire game. So that's not including the Denver game and the Jets game where Parker went off because that was when it's played. And if it starts, it's a different story because he arguably becomes a must start. He just, he has that connection and you know, Fitz loves to sling the ball and Parker's there to catch it. Truly can't believe it. You nailed your trust and your bus at receiver. I have nothing to add that entire time. Nothing to dispute. Well done, Jason. I am speechless. I do I, I do have one thought. Get to a, a real wide receiver. One draft Devontae Smith with the Texans pick. Anyways, that's going to move us too tight. And where our trust our players at are outside of the top 12 that are rostered in under 50% of leagues that we like this week. And our bus are players that are inside the top 12 on the Fantasy Pros expert consensus rankings that we believe will miss expectations. Yeah, and you all know my love for Logan Thomas, and he had a great matchup. So that's super easy for me. And surprisingly, the ECR has Mark Andrews at 
tight end 13. I'm not quite sure why. He's coming back of off IR, and I don't know why they're not throwing. I mean, he should be top five, in my opinion, at this point, because he's going to get the touchdowns because that's what Jackson looks for. Now, the Browns give up 19.8 fantasy points over the past three weeks tight ends. He will be targeted, and it's just, I don't understand why they do this to him. And, of course, Andrews finds the end zone as, you know, Browns are giving up 17.7 fantasy points to the running back. Don't know why I put that, but it's crazy. More importantly, they gave up 19.8 to tight end, and that's where it matters. Like, Andrews is going to be such a monster that I don't know why he's outside the ECR top 12. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Jason. The, the Browns for the season give up the second most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. And I still believe that he is the Ravens wide receiver one, despite Browns starting to play a little bit better. They are going to need to rely on him if they plan on being the Browns. So if you have him on your team, you're most likely playing him anyway. So don't don't be cute. Play your studs like we've like we've been saying. Yeah, the next one's been somebody that I've kind of been watching quietly because that's been interesting to see it happen but Cole Komet he has seen more snaps and really seemed to have taken over the tight end spot for the Bears I know it's the Bears you don't love it however he tied for the most target last week with seven he caught five of them for 37 yards and had the touchdown so I think this week he finds the end zone again and moving forward he has great matchups for the playoffs so somebody you want to check out and potentially use moving forward this is a really interesting choice. He is, yeah, he's starting to overtake Jimmy Grandpa as the Bears tight end one. Can we really trust a Bears offensive player who isn't Al Robinson or David Montgomery? We'll have to see. The Texans give it the six, six most receiving yards, two opposing tight ends a season. So a good spot if you stream the position. I like it. I like it a lot. Cole Komet has outsnapped Grandpa in three straight games. He's played 143 snaps to Graham's 87. In Komet's only game with Trubisky in that span, he caught six passes, scored a touchdown, finished as a career-high tight end six in fantasy. So the Bears have finally found the tight end they have been searching for for the entire Ryan Pace era, right before Ryan Pace is fired. Yeah, and with being fired, we'll move into bust. (laughs) Haha. This is probably, again, me being crazy, but I'm going against my team again here in Hunter Henry. I'm not trusting him this week. Falcons, over the past three games, have given up 9.5 fantasy points per game to the tight end position. I just, after seeing what happened last week and the total destruction of the Chargers with Lynn coaching, I don't don't know if they just completely gave up or what, but I don't think that they are going to use Henry enough, and they will just struggle, and I don't love it. Well, the thing is, with the Chargers, they have nowhere to go but up. Literally nowhere to go but up, because, I mean, they scored zero points. And like you said, the, the Falcons have been really tough on tight ends recently, but overall in the season, they've still given up the six most points in fantasy to tight ends, so there is a chance that Henry can be exposed that uh, position matchup. If you have Henry, you're probably going to play him as your best options. And unless you have a really good streamer you want to go with or another tight end that you've been, you know, going back and forth with, I can't see people benching Henry. Yeah, but I can't see people benching Rob Gronkowski. Granted, it's, again, crazy. Minnesota gives up 9.7 fantasy points per game to tight end position. I think he doesn't get the targets as you see how it really goes currently with Evans and Godwin leading the way in targets, and I mean, they use break still, and it's just a huge mess of tight end. At that same point, 
Gronk is currently the tight end 12 on the year, which is mind-blowing to me. I just don't see it happening this week. Like I've said before in this episode, I think Tom Brady is poised for a big week against the Vikings, and that ultimately bumps up all his receivers. However, it's the same dilemma with Antonio Brown. They have to fend off the two big guys and Evan and Godwin for targets. And Brown or or Gronk is a presumable third option. I'm not sure which one is going to be. I think we're going to have to find out. I think one of them will have a good game and the other won't, or maybe both won't. We'll see. So, yeah, we won't know until the game starts. But, yeah, I, I would be a little hesitant playing Gronk. And that's going to do it from us here on the Important Nonsense Podcast. What a show. What a weekend we are about to have. Jason, do you have any final thoughts before you go back to answering 10 billion questions about who to start in this must-win weekend? Yeah, I'm just more wanting you guys to pay attention to the practice reports for players that we aren't sure on. Make sure you're checking that out, as well as I'm always going to be available in the Fantasy Life app. You can always check it out there. Uh, check out the YouTube waiver show. Definitely a huge asset. Hopefully it will help you guys for the upcoming weeks. And then I guess the most important thing is I'm also nervous about the weather. So another thing to keep an eye on because there are some games that are going to have some weather issues with all that in mind. I hope you all have a good weekend, be safe and make sure to, you know, just be nice to one another. And be sure to follow Jason at that FF nerd for all your start, sit, and waiver wire needs because he just does so much work. But it's not just Jason grinding away. Jordan has been crushing it as well. So with that, do you have any parting thoughts for all your fans hanging on your every word? Yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening. And good luck in your fantasy matchups. I know that I'm going to be hanging on every game because I'm very worried about every one of my matchups this week. So hopefully you guys are in a better position than I am. and. Happy holidays. And be sure to follow Jordan at Donald McJordan. And be sure to follow along with the fantabulous work of all the important nonsensers are putting out on the daily over on importantnonsense.com and on all the socials at NonsenseFF. Thank you all for joining me. I've been your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, And it's been another joyous occasion getting to preview the weekend lineup for you once again. I'll be back on a Sunday for week 14 recap show along with my co-host, the real NWB, me, Wallace Bruce, and at Dynasty PhD, Dr. John Chansey. So until then, be good to yourself in this stressful championship weekend. Stay safe, wear a mask, good luck, and most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevier. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!